welcome back to another episode of Rent Free. I'm your host, Drew Vandemore, and I'm really excited about this week's episode. My friend Devin Howlett joins me all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio, to discuss the Michigan Wolverines, what the team looks like this year, who their best players are on offense and defense, and it's a mini preview of sorts as they take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers this weekend at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC and prime time with Sean McDonough on the call. In addition to this weekend's preview and a preview of the Michigan team overall, we get some background on Devin's Michigan fandom history, how he became a fan growing up in North Carolina as a Michigan and Big Ten fan, what that was like, and we dive into some other conversation as well. I'm really appreciative of Devin taking the time to hop on with me and discuss his fandom. He's one of the few people I know that's as fanatical about his teams as I am about mine, and I know it really means a lot, for me at least, that he's willing to take the time to discuss the Wolverines, what they look like this season and beyond. Looking forward to it. Let's dive in. I'm now joined by a good friend of mine and an avid Michigan Wolverine supporter, Devin Howlett. Devin, thanks for having on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Yeah, it's going well. It's going well. I'm. Uh, this is the you know this is the third interview I've done now. The first two were with I would say people I was not as familiar with. So it's kind of fun to talk to somebody that you know I talk to on a regular basis in a more uh, formal setting and. For those that uh, may not pay close attention, Michigan is off to a hot start. We are recording this before the Wisconsin week, so Michigan is 4-0 right now and seemingly has you know a very strong run game and a very strong defense led by a new defensive coordinator. We're going to have Devin walk us through that and what Michigan looks like you know, in 2021 and how maybe things have progressed from 2020 and some of the changes that were made in the offseason. Before we dive into all that, though, Devin, I'd be really curious just to hear you know how you even be became a Michigan fan? How did you get involved with the Wolverines? Is that a family thing? You know, where, where does that love for the Wolverines even come from? Yeah. So as you know, and, and everyone listening does not, uh, I'm born, born and raised in Southeastern Michigan, you know, 35 miles from Ann Arbor, give or take. Uh, it's, it's one of those things you, you kind of think about your first sports memories and it's watching Tom Brady play for Michigan. And it's like, you know, obviously I love Michigan, but you're born into it. You don't have a choice. And, you know, 29 years later, here we are. So yeah. Yeah. Birth, not choice. And so obviously you're, you're born into it. I, do you have any, you know, you're so close to Ann Arbor. Do you have any Spartans amongst your family as well? I think the strong majority are probably more Spartans than they are Wolverines. Really um, interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes academically, you know, Michigan's a tough, tough school to get into academically. And, and we'll get into, you know, how I did not go there for undergrad or uh, currently grad school, but uh, yeah, a lot more Spartans than Wolverines. So it makes that part of things fun. That's definitely, that's definitely exciting. And so, you know, born in Michigan and, and, you know, wound up moving uh, to North Carolina to the Eastern part of North Carolina, golf heaven, Pinehurst, what was it like growing up in Pinehurst as a Michigan fan? You know, it was fun because, as you know, most most people down there, are Carolina, Duke, or you know, you have the the splattering of NC State fans. So, right, you know, everybody else is kind of just just the Michigan kid. Uh, yeah. So no no harm no foul. A little bit of quick Chris Weber flack every now and again from the uh, the infamous timeout in the national yeah. championship. Uh, but outside of that, it, it was all good, man. It's okay. al- it's almost like it's almost really cool in a way to have like you're the fan of the team that's not around there. You know, it's like it's the mm-hmm. differentiator or the conversation starter. And so 
you know, that's actually how we became even friends in the first place. And obviously we'll talk about when, you know, when you went to college, but, you know, being fans of schools that are sort of outside that main group, like you mentioned, the Carolinas and the States and all that, like it definitely is a differentiator and definitely makes you, you stand out. Was it difficult to follow the team from afar? Like, I, you know, I, obviously the big, the big 10 network started with the Michigan game. We won't talk about that, but was it hard to follow them growing up or was it one of those things where because your whole family was Michigan fans, you guys always made it a point to, to stay in touch? Oh yeah. Always stayed in touch. I mean, I, I can tell you, you know, the first Michigan game I remember missing was for a wedding in, I think it was 2009. We were playing yeah. Notre Dame. It was a, I was at a wedding, uh, and that's the first game I remember missing as a kid, right? So, yeah. super easy to follow. You know, my my parents and you know specifically my dad and brother were huge into sports, so we always watched the games. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think identifying with being that, you know, oh, he's the Michigan fan. Like, what's tell me about Michigan? Tell me about the Big Ten. Like that that was yeah. always fun. It still is. That maze stands out in a sea of different shades of blue. So, you know, it's, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. it definitely could be fun. And so, you know, obviously, you know, you grow up in Pinehurst and that's, you know, awesome. And then you decided to go to college um, in Charlotte. So like, how difficult was it or was it easy to still, you know, make time for Michigan while you were attending a different school? Uh, it, it had its challenges. As you know, I, I was in a fraternity. Um, right. and you know, everybody wants to, to have the tailgate and do the, the, this, that, and the other, well, you know, traditionally Michigan plays at noon. We've always right. played at noon. So I was a guy Irish doing Irish goodbyes at 1130 in the morning yeah. to get home to watch the Michigan game. So a little bit difficult. Uh, I think luckily, unluckily Charlotte didn't have a football team till my senior year. Right. So that wasn't really a competing priority. Uh, but as you know, and, and <laughs> the, the friends of ours that are going to listen to this, <laughs> I don't miss I don't miss Michigan games. Never yeah. have and uh, hopefully never will. Didn't uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the Charlotte fans will appreciate this. Didn't the 49ers take down the Wolverines actually in a basketball game while you guys were in school? The year we went to the national championship 2013. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that so was the some, year. Some would say Charlotte was that close. They were that close. They beat the uh, second place team. <laughs> that is true. That's funny. That's funny. So you graduate from undergrad at UNC Charlotte and you wind up, you know, living in the city as well. Um, currently you live in Cincinnati though. And I know that it was, you know, easy for you to get up to Ann Arbor to go catch a game or two a year. Are you still doing that? I think you mm-hmm. went to Washington this year. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah, obviously. Uh, so I've been in Cincinnati, you know, Two, almost two and a half years, um, two football seasons, we'll call it, one of which didn't allow fans. And, and it kind of as a Michigan fan, let's let's not talk about last year. Uh, but yeah, I, I was able to. There's more of a tennis crowd, is that right? That's what uh, Brian Jean Mary said, who, who also <laughs> coached without fans. So kind of an ironic comparison to make to uh, Neyland Stadium in uh, Tennessee. But yeah. Yeah, I uh, I was able to go. So my girlfriend got me tickets for Michigan Washington, the first night game I've ever been to at the Big House, week two. So super super good time. We're looking at going to the Indiana game. I think the first week of November. Oh, that'd be great. Um, we'll see. You know, depending on how things go, who knows? Might make a uh, Thanksgiving trip for the uh, the game. Wow. 
Yeah, we'll see though. There's there's wow. a lot that uh, can change that, so we'll see. For those that don't know, Michigan just recently added lights, right? In in the first night game, it was Notre Dame a few years ago. 20, I 2013, I believe. 2012, 2013. That's correct. Yeah, so um, one of the last one of the last schools to add out that, and I know obviously you know somebody was watching on TV. That crowd and atmosphere just looked absolutely incredible. Was it? different going to a night game than some of the other games you had been to? Yeah, I, it's different, obviously, from the, the tailgating perspective. I mean, it's a long day. Yeah. Like, you're out there at noon, you're eating, you're drinking. I mean, you don't go to the stadium till 7 o'clock, right? Right. It is exhausting. But from the atmosphere, I've never seen it like that live. We dominated Washington whistle to whistle. I think a lot of that was probably the crowd, probably the momentum. Uh, and we'll get into that talking about Nebraska. I think that's something that people don't think about when it's like, oh, you know, X team's playing Y team. Right. Well, yeah, you know, th- that's a night game. Right. For Washington coming across the country, you know, hey, welcome to the college football season. Here's 115,000 yeah. people going nuts. It's tough. So, you know, one of the things you said, you mentioned like Michigan just dominated that game. I mean, they just dominated it. And yeah, I think it was the final score. They won by like 21 points with three touchdowns or something. I mean, they killed them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a strong defensive effort and a really great ground game. Just talk to me a little bit about what Michigan looks like, both offensively and defensively this year. Is it predominantly on the ground? Is it predominantly a stout, you know, front front four or front three on defense? What does that look like? Yeah, so I'll start with the offense. And, and obviously, this is going into week five. We've played average competition, right? I'm not going to say Washington's great, Western Michigan's great, but they're teams that They've won games, you know, Western Michigan beat yeah. Pitt, Washington beat Cal. So Michigan, it's it's three yards in a cloud of dust. It's Jim yeah. Harbaugh, you know, nose on nose, two tight end sets, get to the second level and get three, four yards to go. Um, for the Washington game, we only threw for 44 yards. You know, there was know. a lot of there was a lot of kind of animosity with the fan base based on the game plan. They didn't need to throw the ball. Right. right. You you kind of fast forward to Rutgers and you could see some issues with the offense not being able to run the ball. So, you know, as it sits right now, until proven otherwise, they're going to run the ball until they absolutely can. And you guys have a fantastic running back, uh, Blake Corum. Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins as well. So the, the thunder and lightning is what they're referred to as. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's that you mentioned it's that sort of typical Harbaugh style where you know you're under center and you got two tights and all that is there a a Michigan or a Harbaugh tight end that we've become you know accustomed to seeing a Jake Butt of sorts on the roster or is it more you know leaning on the on the running game I wish there was a Jake Butt well so we we play three tight ends Eric All who's probably the most versatile he's the he's the guy that's got the most receptions um good route runner good blocker they they actually use him in a fullback role too at the goal line yeah, so sort of okay. that Ben Mason. H back, yeah. Yep, H back. And then we roll Joe Honingford and Luke Schoonmaker. Neither right. of them have, you know, they're not gonna they're not threats to catch the ball. But I think there's gonna be chances probably against Wisconsin where those those guys are gonna have to catch the ball because Nebraska's the same way. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna run the ball on eight in the box on these teams. So yeah. the jury's still out there. I mean, we've got the skill position players, we've got Cornelius Johnson on the, you know, on the edge. Ronnie Bell obviously went down. That that hurts significantly. But we've got guys that can fill that role. It's just a matter of I've I've got I've got to see it. It's, yeah. it's unproven. 
I want to I want to ask you mentioned Cornelius Johnson. I want to ask about the guy that's going to be throwing him the ball, Cade McNamara. Has he had to, you know, you mentioned the game plan against Washington. He was very ground heavy, reliant on on the backs to get it done, the offensive line to get it done. Have we seen Cade McNamara sort of open it up this year at all? Not really. Um He's been asked to do very little. I mean, he's graded out extremely well with PFF, but you've got a guy throwing the ball 10, 12 times a game. Right. Uh, what's what's he look like throwing the ball 30 times a game? You know, to be determined, I'm not sure. Hopefully think- not Graham Mertz, but uh, who knows? I think one of the most fascinating matchups in this Nebraska-Michigan game is going to be the defensive line of Nebraska against the offensive line of Michigan because you sort of set the stage there, right? You mentioned that Michigan's been very ground-heavy and they've been very reliant on the backs and that McNamara has not had to necessarily open up the offense. And one of the things that Nebraska's done very well this year, despite you know the the two and three start, is they've defended the the run game really well and set the line of scrimmage, and it's led by their nose tackle Damian Daniels, one of those classic six four, three hundred and thirty pound sort of guys in the middle that eats space and makes life difficult. The Huskers held Kenneth Walker of Michigan State last week to I think it was seventy one yards for Michigan State on mm-hmm. thirty rushes. So. Um, you know, a very stout front there. So what do you think the biggest differentiator would be on Michigan's offensive line? Is there like a standout, you know, right guard, right tackle? Are they going to look to run off one side or the other? What's sort of that bread and butter that they look to do offensively that maybe could allow them to, you know, open some holes against that Nebraska defensive front? Yeah, so right now, you know, we've got a a pretty inexperienced line in terms of seniority. Um, We have a fifth-year redshirt walk-on uh, Andrew Vastardis, he's a captain, he's the center. He's obviously, as you know, I mean, he's he's the guy that makes things go. It starts with he, the center. Yeah. It starts with the center. So he's kind of been the guy we've been running behind, you know, between the tackles, like I said, classic Jim Harbaugh, a hat on a hat, let your back get to the second level and make a linebacker miss. So it starts with Vastardis. Um, Zach Zinter is another one, first year starting at guard. I mean, this guy's a beast, right? Josh yeah. Gaddis referred to him as our best offensive player. And so he's, he's, he's been dealing with a broken hand. He broke it, I think, against Western Michigan. Okay. So as he gets healthier, you know, I look, I look for them to run to that left side a little bit more. But uh, we'll see. All in all, the, the line's solid. I mean, yeah. a great, great run blocking line. I have to ask because we mentioned Ben Mason. You mentioned the H-back situation. Does Michigan ever line up and use a fullback, a traditional fullback at all? <laughs> Not anymore. It's it's turned into Eric All. That's the um, yeah. Harbaugh trying to get with get with the times a little bit. Him and Josh or, Gaddis. I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you know, in the state of Nebraska, a place known for option football and fullbacks, if we were going to see any sort of traditional fullback lining up. But it doesn't sound like it. Unfortunately, yeah, I'll, I'll say no. But uh, as as you know, with Jim Harbaugh, you know, as as time moves forward. Jimmy likes to stay the same. So you may see some two fullback sets. Who knows, right? Can I can I it's true. Can I even before we before we hop over to the defensive side, I'd love to ask, like, do you think even some of the success and the looseness you're seeing Jim, you know, have on the sidelines and with the media, is that a product of Jim going back to his roots and sort of being comfortable offensively? They're doing what he's always done. And I know in mm-hmm. 2020, you know, they hired 
Josh Gaddis and they sort of had this, you know, idea they're going to, like you said, get with the times, right? They're going to spread things out and they were going to, you know, throw the ball over the field and the, the phrase is speed and space and, you know, let their athletes make plays on the perimeter. But from what I'm hearing from you, it's much more a traditional Jim Harbaugh type offense. Do you think that lends itself to Jim being, you know, sort of the classic Jim again? Yeah, I think entirely. Um it's it's look it's what he's been good at his whole career right at stanford you know a hat on a hat here it is come and get it you know there's those those famous drives at stanford where they ran the same play you know 10 times in a row yeah yeah. right and we're doing we're doing a little bit of that right now so i do think that's kind of where harbaugh's confidence comes back and it, it doesn't hurt that we've got a good team you know he he tends to become a little more outspoken when he's got a good team you know right. and, and if you think back to you know 2016 jim harbaugh he's taking shots at you know anybody that crossed his path yeah so he, he's kind of got a little bit of that swagger back. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it's confidence in what, what we're doing and, and what he likes to do. You know, control the game and let your let your team win it that way. And I will say, like, you know, in terms of just the matchup with Nebraska, one of the, the things Nebraska has struggled most with is playing teams that do what they do and do it well and don't make mistakes. Right. Nebraska mm-hmm. Nebraska beats teams when they can purely either out talent them like a, you know, a lower level FCS Fordham or, you know, they even had a decently nice win over Buffalo. Like you mentioned, you know, teams that know how to win. But Nebraska often has struggled against teams like Northwestern or teams, you know, that even if they maybe are able to match up in certain parts of the game or personnel wise, it's it's relatively, you know, even. It's that Nebraska always makes the mental mistake or Nebraska always makes right. the, the the error. And so from my standpoint, standpoint that you know that scares me to hear that you know Jim sort of got that swagger back and he's got that confidence <laughs> because you know it sounds like maybe um you know you guys are playing some good football and 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 he's got it's that sound confidence. right yeah. and, and and I before you know before burying the lead they're they're playing sound efficient football and yeah. that's that's hardball as I like to call it you know I love manage, it. That's manage the game manage the field manage the clock and that's all you can ask for I mean even as a fan like you know I so many national people always tell me all the time or, you know, tell everybody all the time, oh, you know, Nebraska's going to do this. They'll never do that. Their fans are this. They think all this crazy stuff. And, you know, to me as a fan of a football program, like as somebody that takes the time to watch the games every single Saturday for four hours, you know, every Saturday, like all I want to see is a clean team that plays extremely hard every single play. And if we lose, we lose. But right. The thing that kills me is the, you know, we go to Michigan State and we outgain them by 200 yards and we, you know, hold them to, they didn't have a single first down in the second half. And then, you know, you watch it lose. So I'm very grateful for you or happy for you that you get to see, you know, a competent, well-managed, <laughs> uh, composed football team. And obviously for now, it's, we'll it's, we'll it's what happens it's, on Saturday, but yeah. Yeah, it's early and, and, and obviously pre-Wisconsin recording, but to date, we lead the nation in turnovers. We have none. That's great. Um, you, you, Harbaugh said it the other day. I mean, you, you can't be better than that. So hopefully we, we keep that trend for, for my sake and, and for your, your trend. Hopefully you guys cause some turnovers, right? Yeah, seriously. What, um, and so let me ask you this, Michigan, you know, has played, I believe, exclusively at home so far this year. What do you think maybe the challenges are for this team and translating the same style and same success they've had at home on the road? So I think the biggest thing is you think about 2020 and the no fans, especially in the Big Ten. You know, we've got back-to-back games at absolutely bananas. Big Ten West schools, Wisconsin, 
Nebraska, you know, these kids have not seen this. Right. They've seen 100,000 people cheering for them. Okay, you know, how do you react when, you know, Martinez comes out and runs it down your throat on the first drive? How do you respond? We don't know. That's the biggest thing. And, and what we talk about all the time on, on the side is you're talking about 18 to 20 year old kids. Exactly. You don't, you don't know. And that's what people forget. It's like, man, what happened to, you know, so-and-so last week? What happened to that team? It's like, dude, you're talking about 18 year old kids. What do you expect? Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's crazy to think like the consistency we expect these people to play with. You know what I mean? It's like, I think back to when I was 19 years old and I couldn't even consistently get up for an 8 a.m. class. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> all of a sudden you're supposed to be able to put it together for 12, 13, 14 weeks a year. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy to do that on a consistent basis. Yeah. And I saw it too. And, and the night game obviously is is huge. You know, Lincoln's going to be absolutely nuts. Yeah. And, and Michigan's fan base was kind of like, Ugh, like of course, of course, it's a night game, right? Why right. wouldn't it be? Hold on, I want to. I want to. For those that may not know, so what? I'm going to press on that a little bit. What is the history? You know, Michigan night game. You mentioned you know that sort of agony or frustration or whatever you want to describe it as, you know, when you found out the game time, um, can you give us a little background on that? It's typically going to happy Valley and, and getting our asses kicked is essentially what <laughs> it turns into, um, under Harbaugh. I mean, it, it's, it, this has been a trend for 20 some years, right? We've not been good on the road against good, competent teams. Harbaugh's not, you know, he started his career with a night game loss at Utah you know, yeah. seven years ago. And yeah. we've got more, we've had multiple losses since then. So it's just kind of one of those things we've just not performed well for whatever reason. And you know, once or twice, sure. It's, but it's a trend at this point. It's happened multiple, multiple times. I do want to dive into the defensive side of the ball. So mm -hmm. Who, you know, what kind of style are you running? Who are a couple of playmakers on the defensive side of the ball that Nebraska fans should be aware of? So we're, we kind of run, we run multiple different fronts. So as you know, we brought in Mike McDonald, who was coaching with the Baltimore Ravens under John Harbaugh. At, he was a linebackers coach. We brought him okay. in as our DC. Uh, so we're now running, we, we kind of run that Baltimore Ravens, three-man front, four-man front, two-man front with safeties pushing up, you know, cover two. We run everything. Yep. Um, it's, it's very versatile versatile it, it's obviously tough for a defense or an, or an offensive coordinator and a quarterback to prepare for because you don't know what you're going to see play in play out playmakers i think we have the best dn in the country on our team aiden hutchinson guys a beast yeah exactly. he's got i think today five and a half sacks he was getting double teamed last week he's a problem right he's a guy that's going to disrupt whatever you're trying to run and didn't play in 2020 is that right broke his leg week two correct yeah so you know, obviously so, welcome, welcome back for him, for Michigan fans, for sure. Yeah. So he, you know, at the D line, it, it starts and goes with him. We've got some young guys, you know, some quality guys, but no, no game breakers, if you will. Uh, linebacker, James Ross is going to be, he's our, our Mike, an yep. absolute stud, you know, captain, senior, his brother played at Michigan. He's been around, it seems like for 20 years. He's the guy, you know, he, he's the run stop. Anything between the tackles on the edge, he's kind of that guy right there. So he's going to be important. You know, Martinez likes to run the ball. His reads and, and what he does in the middle of that defense is going to be huge because Martinez can gash you. You mentioned, you know, Nebraska runs the ball and Martina, Adrian Martinez is a big part of that. Is there one part of playing Nebraska on offense that maybe, or Nebraska offensively, Michigan defensively that, you know, concerns you uh, from a Michigan fan perspective? Yeah, I would probably say the RPO. I mean, yeah. we we struggled with Rutgers when they started running that QB power read. Josh Ross was out of the game. 
he was hurt. How that changes, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, Nebraska can move the ball. They've proven that yeah. against multiple opponents for years. That's not not really been their issue. Scoring's been the challenge, but they rack up yards. Yeah, so that and then the, the last player I'll touch on is Daxon Hill, our strong safety. You know, future probably first round pick, pick five star, pick Michigan over Alabama. You yeah. know, just a stud, kind of one of those guys he just erases space, doesn't get beat. Um, hopefully you guys throw the ball his way. It's probably going to the house. No, so that's really helpful overview, and I appreciate you running through that, you know, offensively and defensively. I'm curious now, obviously we're still a week and a half out or so, so, you know, a lot would be contingent on what happens this weekend, but do you have any final thoughts or summary on the game and maybe even a prediction for us? Yeah, I think I'll say this, and, and for the Nebraska fans that listen, I've told multiple people this. Nebraska's way better than the record, right? The yeah. national pundits see, oh, you know, Michigan's going to Lincoln, wow, Michigan lock. That's not the case. Nebraska could easily be, they could easily have two wins. Should have beat Michigan State. Yeah. Probably should have beat Oklahoma. Yeah. If that if that's the case, you know, what's the narrative right now? And, and we know this, the national narrative is not always the the accurate take. So I think it's going to be a damn good game. It's probably going to be a little bit ugly. You know, Definitely. a lot of punts, which is probably good for us. Um, I expect us to probably win the game based on field position and turning the ball up. Based on the sample size we have, our special teams is damn good. Yep. We've got an All-American punter. So I would, I would think... And, and this is going to be probably totally opposite if we lose to Wisconsin. But I think Michigan probably wins 27-23, something think, like that. I think a higher scoring that I would have given it. I was going to say, you know, if I had to take, if I had to take a stab at, at a final score right now, I would say something very weird numbers, 19-13. Uh, one of those, mm-hmm. you know, one of mm-hmm. those, it was, uh, you know, 16-10 to 10 and we kicked a field goal and then you kicked a field goal in the third quarter and then nobody else scored the rest of the game game or some weird you know weird result like that Could so totally i mean it, it, i expect the line's probably going to be plus or minus three and a half four and a half yeah if it'll be a close game over under is going to be 47 you know yeah so it's it's going to be a good game it's it's one of those i, I we talked about going i wish we would have went at this point but it's for us, man, it's a sneaky, sneaky game. For sure. Because Nebraska, like I said, Nebraska is not their record. You know, everyone's got their pitchforks out right now, but it's a good football team. They really are. Real quickly, let me get your thoughts on, you know, the rest of the season. What do you want to see as a Michigan fan that would constitute success? Not even record-wise, but just from the team itself. What is one or two things that, you know, you hope to see the rest of the way going forwards? I think consistency. Um, we're going to lose a game, right? It, it might be... We might be losing by the time this is dropped, but it's it's how do you how do you bounce back? Typically, these hardball teams they lose a game, they get punched in the mouth, they don't jump up and you know want to fight again. They they trend downwards, and I think that's indicative of the staff. So the staff and the culture. I just want to see consistency. I want to see fight. You know, no matter what's going on, and let the young kids play. You know, yeah. I want to see freshmen playing over unproven, you know, mediocre juniors and seniors. That, that's yeah. what I want, and um, I'll be happy with the way the season turns out. I mean, it's gone a lot better than most people thought at this rate. So That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I think, you know, from a Nebraska fan perspective, I want the same thing. I want, you know, if there's talented young guys that are able to unseat some people, especially for us on the offensive line, like we've had 
big struggles at, you know, Scott Frost called out uh, right tackle and, and left guard, but I think really everything except for center uh, is up for grabs for Nebraska at this point. So I would love to see some more open competition. And to your point about, you know, if there's guys that are good enough that are, you know, also able to get some experience along the rest of the way, I think that's, you know, a very, very, very good thing. So, yeah, cool. I, yeah, I agree. So we'll see. It's, um, you know, two similar programs. Coaches are kind of in, you know, similar situations at this point in their tenure. So somebody's somebody's got to win some games, right? Yeah. Well, the good news is, is one of them is going to get a guaranteed win when Nebraska and Michigan meet on October 9th at 730 Eastern on AB. See, Devin, thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. And good luck to your boys this weekend against Wisconsin. Thanks. Go blue. And there you have it. What a great interview with Devin previewing Michigan and getting an understanding and a feel for what the Wolverines look like this year. Obviously, you could tell during the interview he was extremely nervous leading into the Wisconsin game. And turns out he had a great Saturday last weekend. The Wolverines took down the Badgers 38-17 to in Madison and dominated basically every facet of the game outgaining the Badgers by over 150 yards, more first downs for the Wolverines. And really the most impressive part of the performance on Saturday, I thought was the passing game for Michigan. When we talked to Devin, we got a good understanding for the running game and how Michigan had planned to attack the line of scrimmage and sort of dominate and play ball control football, running the football. But the passing game on Saturday really complemented the Wolverines' rushing attack very well, throwing for 253 yards and only rushing for 112, two and a half yards per carry. If the Wolverines can continue to grow on their offensive scheme and continue to throw the ball around and get their receivers involved, I think the Michigan Wolverines could be a threat in the Big Ten Conference this year. Elsewhere in college football, it was a crazy weekend starting on Thursday when Virginia went down to Miami and took down the Hurricanes 30-28. to I know Miami fans have to be just struggling right now, but honestly, I kind of love seeing the Hurricane lose and seeing a doink a field goal at the end definitely didn't make me upset. It was pretty interesting too to see Iowa go on the road as only a three-point favorite and win by 37 points in Maryland, 51 to 14. Spencer Petras threw for three touchdowns and 206 yards passing. And honestly, they're very similar to Michigan in the sense that if they can grow a passing game in addition to the defense and ball control rushing offense that they have, they're gonna be really scary. Iowa's now entered the top three on the AP poll and they host a huge game this weekend against Penn State in Iowa City. It should be a great one. Touching on a few other games from this past weekend, it was crazy to see Alabama pretty much dominate from start to finish against Ole Miss, winning 42-21. to Georgia absolutely pummeled Arkansas, shutting out the Hogs, winning 37 to nothing. And uh-oh, Oregon goes down. They completely blew it at the end of the game against Stanford and wind up losing on the road in Palo Alto, 31 to 24. One of the biggest wins of the weekend belongs to the Cincinnati Bearcats. Desmond Ritter, 19 of 32 for 300 yards and two touchdowns passing. The biggest thing that stood out to me was Cincinnati struggled to run the ball, but I think what happens with this is we tend to be overly critical of Cincinnati and we make them try to prove themselves as more than any other college football team. Instead of just appreciating the fact that they've built such a quality team in Cincinnati, we tend to say, oh, well, they can't do this or they can't do that. I want to give Cincinnati props. The goalposts continue to move for them to try to get into the playoff and try to, you know, what is credited as a successful national season. And yet, Bearcats continue to show up every week and dominate each opponent they're playing. Kudos to them. Lastly, I want to touch on my trip to Lincoln. That's right. If you were from last week, I mentioned I'd be heading out to Lincoln, and Nebraska was an absolutely fun time. I went out on Wednesday to Omaha with my girlfriend. We stayed for two nights in the old market area and 
had amazing dinners and shopping experiences and the Omaha Zoo, which if you haven't been to Omaha, one of the coolest experiences ever. The Omaha Zoo is rated actually as one of the best zoos in the world ahead of the San Diego Zoo for those who, you know, follow this sort of ranking. And it was crazy to see, you know, the immersive sort of exhibits they had and being able to walk through and really get a front row seat to some of the crazy different animals they had. And honestly, we spent like six hours at the zoo and I could have spent another three. It was that impressive. So shout out to the Omaha Zoo. On Friday, we met my brother and his friend, and we went on down to Lincoln for the weekend and had what I consider to be a, a very fun weekend, but a very tiring weekend. We went out on Friday, and Ross brought us to all his different college bars, and then on Saturday, we were able to go to the game. It was a night game against Northwestern, and the Huskers played their best game of the Scott Frost era, winning 56-7 to over the Northwestern Wildcats. The Huskers scored 21 points in the first quarter. They had only scored 10 first quarter points the entire other games this season. So it was great to see us get out to a fast start. And honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better experience for my first game in a couple of years and for bringing my girlfriend to her first game as well. The Huskers, like I mentioned earlier, have the massive game this weekend upcoming with Michigan. And I think this is an opportunity for Nebraska to potentially turn the corner and really show that they've made some serious progress. The Huskers are opening anywhere from a one to three point underdog. So you should see a really competitive, fun game on Saturday night. And I'm looking forward to seeing two the biggest brands in college football, both part of the 900 Wins Club, take action under the lights in Lincoln. Next week, I'm going to be joined by my brother to discuss in further detail our trip to Nebraska and what it was like to go to school there. We could be a fan of the team and we'll have a little recap of the Michigan game as well. Thanks again for listening and chat next week.